Amen. We, uh, we just finished a sermon series on looking at key passages at, at what it means to be the church, the, the people of God. And there were big, famous passages like the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And now we're going to resume a series that we paused in the middle of, looking at the Psalms of Ascent. And as we come back to them, I want to remind ourselves of a few things about the Psalms and about this series of the Psalms. Psalms are songs. They are poetry. And they are full of images and they're full of emotions and they reflect the Psalms, a life lived in faith, in all of its joys and in all of its struggles, but in all of it with an utter honesty and transparency and depth that only poetry can, can have. And they are a glimpse at what's inside of a life of faith. And this set of psalms, the Psalms of Ascent, they have a theme. They were sung while pilgrims of a faith were on the journey to the temple in Jerusalem, into the, the presence of God. Days, journeys they would spend, and they'd sing these songs. And they were all the stuff people who trust in God experience on the journey of faith. It's not all easy but God is good all the time. And so we resume in this series with Psalm 124 that speaks right to the challenge, I believe, of our age and the centrality of faith to living our daily lives. And once again, this is a song. This is not a study. And yet, we're going to study the song. Uh, and in a very real sense, this is an experience. It's an experience of the greatest song in the world because it is the song, a song of the gospel, of the good news of God's help just when we need it most. And so being a psalm, I'm not just going to read it, but we're going to read it. Uh, we don't have the, the, the melodies the original melodies that these were the lyrics for, but we have the lyrics. And so let's read this responsively. And uh, if you would read the yellow text, you got it? Or, yep, there it is. If you would read the yellow text, I'll read the even number, the odd numbered verses in the white text. Listen to the word of God. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Let Israel now say, then they would have swallowed, swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. 
The snare is broken, and we have escaped. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Guide us in our understanding, our life in the word. For we know your word is is what we need to live. So guide us, Lord. As As I speak, as all of us consider your word together. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. If, twice, it, it, it emphasizes this word from the very beginning, if. If is a terrifying word. And it, it can also be a word, one of the greatest words of hope. Each one of us has ifs in our lives that we think about. And what we think about our ifs is going to tell us, expose the posture of our lives. When I say if, what comes to mind for you? What response does if trigger in you? What ifs do you have at the forefront of your life? For many of us, if is a terrifying word. I, 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 I was thinking about an if in my life, and in a moment in my life when I was probably 12 or 13, going to camp in the San Juan Mountains near Telluride, Colorado. And it was a hardcore mountaineering and guide school, this camp, and they had a ropes course. And I had no problem with the, with the heights and the jumps when I was roped in and something would catch me. But there was one spot where I just had to make a, a leap to an upright 50-gallon drum. And I, I can still vividly remember getting paralyzed at that point, picturing my foot slipping. And, and I'd fall, and I'd hit my head, and I'd break my neck, and it would all be over from just this little slip that I could picture in my mind. And I was stuck with this picture in my head if my foot slipped. So many in our world are are sunk in a life of anxiety, trapped by ifs. What, What if someone says something? What if I can't pay my bills and I get a notice on the door? What if something happens to my kids? What if the world just keeps on getting hotter? What if Putin gets so frustrated he goes nuclear? The the ifs of our imagination can go on and on, reasonable or unreasonable. For many, they are absolutely overwhelming. Just look at the things in this passage. There are two things that are deadly hazards faced in this passage. Getting eaten, swallowed, by some kind of creature, some kind of bird. Eugene Peterson pictures this as a dragon, ready to to chew us up and swallow us. And it's it's a picture of terror. 
And a good modern person may have that first thought that, well, there are no dragons. There are no dragons. There are no birds of prey that are going to swallow me. But every culture that's ever heard of a dragon knows what they are. They are, they are projections of all of our fears. They are total evil that will swallow us and destroy us, and, and from which we are much too small and weak. We can't fly to, us, to escape them. And the, and the second image is of drowning in a flood, a torrent. When I was young at that same camp, we hiked in the wadis and canyons of Utah and Arizona, and, and it didn't have to be raining on us to know there was a threat. If we could tell it was raining anywhere that we could see, even off in the distance, we got out of the low points, the bottoms of the valleys, because we knew the threat, that there was a threat of a powerful flash flood, and that threat was very real. And Israel has a similar landscape, and so this thought of drowning in small canyons and valleys is a very real threat. Also, maybe I'm, I'm wrong about this, having grown up by the ocean myself, but I think the picture of drowning is universal for being washed away by the, the hard circumstances of life and suffocating under them. And, and no matter how strong a swimmer you are, being lost in an ocean or washed away by a flash flood is, is too much for even the strongest swimmer. Now, this is one of those psalms where the historical context is not clear, so scholars try to surmise from history where it best fits, but there are many places in the history of Israel where, uh, where people faced real threat, in, even just in the history of David. And scholars can only guess what this was, was written about. One common guess is that it comes out of a time just after Saul, King Saul had died at the hand of the Philistines, and David, the heir apparent of the kingdom, is going to be the one to now face the threat of the Philistines. He, he who had faith to face Goliath as a child now bears the heavy weight of leadership of all of God's people facing a, a, an overwhelming foe, and he himself feels overwhelmed. Now, David had experienced from the very beginning that a life of discipleship has hazards that threaten to undo us. What, what ought we to do? There are so many ifs in front of us, and the fear can be crippling. Now, I just have to make a, a, a comment about the context of our world right now. We live in a land of ifs, and they're thrown in front of us all the time. We have another big election just over a year away, three years ago, when, uh, when the last next national election was coming. I lived in a key swing state in Pennsylvania, and we were bombarded by ifs. Uh, of relentless television ads, radio, podcasts, billboards, bumper stickers, lawn signs, flyers in the mail. I'm not, I'm not even referring to a particular side, but the message of that if we elect the competitor of whom, 
whoever the ad was for, then we will be eaten by dragons and, and washed away by a flood. And, and they did their best to terrify us to voting for their candidate. And I'm not even saying whether they're right or wrong, right or left. I have my opinions. I know that among us there are differing opinions. I'm pointing out the very real power of if. It's very visible in our world today. But just as the ifs are very real in the world, so is the message of this psalm. The hazards are the setting of the psalm, but it's not its subject. There's a different message than fear. If is not just a word bearing fear. Although it almost always has some hazards in there somewhere, the psalmist is not looking forward with fear. He is looking back with awe. And what if refers to is not some terrible hazard that that destroys, but the primary realization that he has is that God's help is real. And God already provided the help needed to overcome the hazards. If can point to something wonderful. It does here. And, And here it points back to God's help in navigating the hazard, hazards despite the enormity of the threats and only, only because of God's help, the psalmist is alive. And it's not because he was able to avoid the dragons and the floods and any walk of discipleship is going ha- to be full of them. It is because he had God's present help in dealing with them. If he, if he didn't have that help from God, then he would have been eaten and drowned. He got the help. That's what this is about. The first part of the passage, we have an if, then. If God had not helped, then we would have been eaten. Then we would have drowned by flood. The second part of the psalm moves past looking back to the heart of now, now's reality. It goes from if, then, to a couple of words that aren't written there, but they're implied. But, therefore, but we have escaped the teeth and the snare. That is today's truth. Therefore, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This trust is happening now. And the statement of trust is simply a way of praising God for what he has done and trusting him for tomorrow's help. The if then at the heart of Christianity is not one of fear. It's one of knowing God's help, of looking back and being able to see it clearly, being assured of it, praising Him for it, and trusting Him for it again and again and always. Our our ifs 
are different. They are opportunities to trust. Trust God with our future and with our past. I love the story of the paralytic and his friends who bring him to Jesus. Jesus is healing people around the Sea of Galilee in in Luke chapter 5, and he ends up in a house that is mobbed. It is surrounded by people trying to get to him. And one group of people have a friend who's a paralytic, and they are desperate to get him to Jesus. So, based on the architecture of the time, it's likely that they had to go around to the back of the house, and there's stairs, there's steps up to the roof. Much of life was lived on the roof of those homes, and they were sturdy. They were about a a foot thick of dried mud on top of supports. And so when it says that they dug through the roof, that was no easy thing. Clearly, they would do anything to get him to Jesus. Do you see the if of faith there? If we can just get our friend to Jesus, he can heal him. And Jesus did heal him. This is the if of faith that that portrays the mission of the church. If we can help people see Jesus, he can heal, save, pour out his love on them. Discipleship is just getting and keeping our eyes on Jesus, following him. If we can just do that. The notion of the dragons reminded, of, reminded me of G.K. Chesterton saying something like, don't be afraid of fairy tales. Fairy tales don't tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed and we can be saved. This psalm proclaims the help we have from God to survive and trust every if that we could imagine. To face every dragon and storm and flood. Yesterday, I was about done with the sermon right here. And I was already feeling like this was it. And as I read my devotions, a passage just crushed me. It hit home for me for the nature of the way God has helped us. My regular devotions took me to Matthew chapter 26, and Jesus is praying early in the morning in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is moments away from his arrest, hours away from his horrible death on the cross. And he prays this, if If it's possible, may this cup, this suffering, these dragons and waves that swallow be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. This is what I wrote in my journal from reading that. I'm preaching on Psalm 124 tomorrow, and I'm talking about ifs. They define 
and expose our faith. We are paralyzed in fear and anxiety by the ifs that entrap us. We play God with the ifs that delude us with a sense of control. I didn't even get to that point. But you can think about that one later. Or, as the psalmist does looking back, we see and trust the providence of God with the ifs of faith. If he hadn't been there, dragons and waves would have swallowed us. Then I read Jesus in the garden facing the dragon and the waves and asking the if of all our fears and then willingly taking them on for our sake. In death on the cross, he died all the ifs so that ours don't end there. We get to the but, therefore, because Jesus died for us. The dragons and waves are no longer a final threat. Jesus asks for this fear to be removed. God does not grant his request. He does not remove what stands ahead of him. He dies on the cross. That which he fears is not removed, but by his obedience, it is overcome. Death is defeated. It has lost its sting. The terrifying power of if is gone. Let's pray. Lord, all of us know the power of if in our lives. But God, we see you in the garden <laughs> bearing all our ifs before the Father and then saying, but, but your will be done. Lord, therefore, we are free from the power of if threatening to undo us. And now all our ifs look back on, on your salvation in your son. All our ifs look back on your work in our lives. Your work to draw us to yourself to know your goodness and your love, to be assured of your grace and your hope of resurrection and forgiveness and love. God, thank you. Thank you for your love, your word, your son. Lord, give us the power to not be overwhelmed by the storms and the and the dragons, and all of the ifs, but Lord, to stand in faith that you are our help, the maker of heaven and earth, and you love us and have saved us in your son Jesus. God, thank you for your word. May it live in us and in all of our ifs. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.